If you thought kryptonite was just that rock that made Superman weak, wait till you hear about another kryptonite we will introduce you to. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Prepare for another doozy of a case, but this time, it's Spring Break Edition. Developing tonight a tragic end to the 13-year-old search for an 18-year-old Brittany Drexel in South Carolina. The Georgetown County Sheriff's Office announcing today that investigators say they found her remains late last week. Drexel was visiting Myrtle Beach from New York when she disappeared in April of 2009. The teaser from the last episode that we left in, you hear me say the next episode is a cunt and then it cuts out. I lied to everyone. The cunt doesn't exist. <laughs> it got pushed to the further part. It got pushed. But it got pushed for a really good reason, guys. It got pushed because there's new turn of events about this case. And I already had this case as next month's case. So we just brought it forward a month for you guys. So you can hear it now. So what's up, guys? We're going to talk to you about the Brittany Drexel case. I'm Athena. And I'm Kylie. And you're here listening to Cryptic Soup <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Thank you for coming back. If you're a return, if you're new here, good luck. It was hilarious. I had a friend. Uh, you had a start- friend? Fuck off. <laughs> I had a friend start listening to us and he decided to listen to SeaWorld. Uh, and at the beginning, we're just like, welcome a million times. And he was like, really? Welcome. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, oh, you're listening to my podcast. And he's like, yep. I'm very intrigued every time people are like, yes, yeah, so I finally started listening. I started with and they'll pick the most random. Yes. Like literally someone the other day was like, so I'm going to start listening. I'm going to do the Christmas character shorts. I was like, Why? That's in the middle of May. That's the first episode you're going to start with. Number like six. Okay, more power to you. But I want to be honest, you're fucking weird, bro. (laughs) So this case has been in the news recently and it's popping up all over TikTok and all over, well, any Internet source, really. So we just figured we might as well put our two cents in, kind of, because it is a case that I... I wanted to talk about anyways, and we had like, like I said, on the docket, but now since it's even more pressing, like, let's just, you know, get into it. So you have all the information rather than having to listen to someone cover it and then wait for them to update. Right. Let's do it. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, because it was like it was like because you've seen little snippets and you don't know things. It was like ready. Yeah. Yeah. And we were ready to go. And then. I literally only had to tweak it for like 10 minutes and I was like, okay, I added the ending. We're good to go. We're good to go. So on the night of April 25th, 2009, 17 year old New York teen named Brittany Drexel had left the Bar Harbor Motel in Myrtle Beach. She had been staying with some friends on a spring break trip. Brittany was walking to another hotel a short distance away. From there, she started texting her boyfriend to tell him that she was heading back to her motel. However, Brittany never made it there, and the leads of where she could be went completely cold. No one could understand what happened to Brittany. Was she still alive? Was she kidnapped? Was she missing? Was she dead? Was she sex trafficked? We had no idea. However, in 2016, we thought we had found the answers. 
And then we found out we didn't. And we were all the way back to square one. But for all this to make sense and to know why we're talking about it, we need to go back to the beginning and see what happened while Brittany was in South Carolina. So let's rewind. I decided to... <laughs> I decided to set it up a little differently this time, see? Just so that you guys, like, have a have a fresh palette. Maybe this is your first time listening. And you're like, wow, they set up the intro so nice. Yeah, don't get used to it. <laughs> I never fucking Wait, we have our shit together? In. What are you talking about? <laughs> Brittany Drexel was born in Rochester, New York on October 7th in 1991. She was a Libra. She shares a birthday with Simon Cowell, the mean little man himself, <laughs> and National Forgiveness Day. No. Do you like Simon Cowell? Mm. If I'm going to pick a residentiary asshole that I like, I like the the kitchen one. Who, what's it? Gordon Ramsay? I like him better than Simon Cowell. Oh, yeah. Gordon yeah. takes the cake. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? Because he's a cook. <laughs> <laughs> he, he always, he takes the cake. Ah, that was a good one, Kylie. Good job. So Brittany's mother, her name was Dawn, and Dawn credits Brittany's father to just being some guy. He... And he wasn't like in the picture and stuff, but he later does come into Brittany's life. He like got to know her and stuff. And it was close to her being either 15 or 16, I think it was. And he becomes part of his daughter's life. But while growing up, he wasn't really there. He had moved. And some people say it was due to work. And some people just say because him and Dawn weren't together. So there's a little bit of conflicting reports but it's not enough to where everyone's gotten the full details down to be like, this is concrete happened. This is this is what it is. So I kind of left it out. But not long after Brittany was born, Dawn actually did get married and she married a different person. And he was a military guy named Chad Drexel. Chad adopted Brittany and gave her the same last name. And Brittany and Chad loved each other. They were super close. When Chad ended his military, like, traveling time he and the family decided to settle down in the rochester suburb of chile within new york now whoa you, what? <laughs> you looked at me when i said that word and i put a whole thing under it so we can talk about that so you guys don't understand why kylie gave me that look it's spelled c-h-i-l-i so when i looked up how to pronounce it because i would have been like chili you know like it's it's chili right Here's exactly what it said. There is a city in New York named after the South American country of Chile. However, when we call it Chile, you would want to get fancy and say Chile, Chile, Chile. But in New York, it's Chile. often called Chile. Like, like the place in is it Africa? Yes. Yeah, is Chile. Yes. And... I listened to a bunch of different things, and I think it's kind of like also where you're at in the city type thing. Like some people say like accent. too. Yeah. Some people say Houston. Some people say Houston and stuff. I've, I've actually heard that when my sister lived in Texas. So I think this is where you're living. But. I've heard more than less. It's Chile. So we're going to go with Chile. It's very weird. And I'm really sorry that I threw you for a loop. But tonight, you guys, I have a treat for everyone. I Googled all the pronunciations tonight. Whoa. I spent time practicing. Whoa. So if this is your first episode, <laughs> you're in for a treat. I might talk correctly. What? It's a first. It's a first. 
So while living in Chile, Don and Chad had two more children. Their names are Marissa and Camden. So Brittany was the oldest sibling. Brittany had been born with, oh yeah, never mind about the whole me talking correctly. I forgot about this part. <laughs> Brittany had been born with persistent hyperplastic primary vitrosis. Vitrosis. Sorry. Vitros. Okay. <laughs> and this was in her right eye. It required several surgeries and it ended up rendering her right eye to wander more often than not. And she was partially blinded in it. Some people say she was fully blind. Um, I read up about this and supposedly due to her surgery, she could see shapes. She just couldn't make out what they were. So I think she was like three quarters or more blind in it. And probably like she definitely wouldn't be able to pass like a test using that eye. So she might have had some vision, but we're not sure kind of where it landed to cover the eyes tendency to want to wander. She wore contact lenses because apparently that helps. I do not understand that concept of how that helps, but it does. I ended up asking Corey about PHPV, which is what this eye condition is called, because I knew that Corey, our editor, has an eye condition also. And I was like, hey, are they in the same family, the wheelhouse, you know? What happens when you have eye issues, things like that, just so that I could get some more information from like a firsthand account. And for those of you that don't know, Corey is our editor and uh, he's also Kylie's other half. My boo boo. That too. (laughs) (laughs) So Corey suffers from Coates disease, which is another eye anomaly that renders him blind in one eye also. But his is a little bit different how it affects his eyes and what happened to create that eye effect. So for PHPV, it's considered an ocular developmental defect that happens when you're young. And it's the hyloid vasculature. Yes. Hyloid (laughs) vasculature within the vitreous overgrows and fails to regress. How did I do there, Kylie? I think you were good. I'm not sure about vitreous or vi- vitreous or vitreous or vitri. Vitreous. Well, the reason why I'm thinking it might be vitreous is because isn't that other part of your eye called like the viroscop viro something? I thought there's a it's it's a hard word, guys. It's probably Latin. <laughs> so this disease is most often detected in infants as fibrovascular retrolental mass that has severe cases that can cause retinal detachment or blindness, hence why the eye wanders. Interesting, because Corey's Coates disease is like the same thing, but um, his is where the blood vessels in the back of your eye are like open, so they're leaking fluid and essentially like burn those blood vessels so they can't connect to your eye Mm -hmm. and your retina, like, detaches so it's like it the same thing happens but different things are happening for the same outcome so that's very interesting so i have a very very mild eye disease and i can't think of what it's called it's super common though so like this isn't some crazy thing i was diagnosed with it when i was in seventh or eighth grade and all it is is essentially that my eyesight is really really bad But it's not because I can't see. It's because part of my pupil ate part of my cornea or vice versa. I can't remember which. And it happens. It's super common and stuff. 
it happens when you had really bad eyes and you don't get them checked. So you strain your eyes too often. And then when you do get contacts and things like that, they say that you kind of need to work up to wearing them and stuff like that and like using them when you need. So I decided to do the opposite and wear contacts 24 seven every single day for like six years. And my eyes started eating away at my eyes and my vision went from like kind of bad to I am almost blind in both eyes. Literally, I have I have tried. <laughs> I've tried those glasses and it is not fun. I still sometimes struggle to pass eye tests and driving tests, even with glasses on. Um, it's very, very toxic. But the thing is, is with what I have, once you hit a certain stop, like it just stops. So my eyes are always going to be this bad, but they're probably never going to get worse because my nice. eyes done eating itself like it's satisfied. That's really weird. <laughs> um, but apparently it's super common and it happens usually in your teens and it's because you don't take care of your eyes. So, you know, take care of your eyes, guys. But or your eyes will eat each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some cannibalistic eyeballs I got. Learns of the new every day. So PHPV is what Brittany had, not exactly what Corey and I have, but because that she did have that blind eye. Now, despite this, Brittany was a super active child and a teenager. She loved playing soccer and she was said to be really good at it, too. In high school, she was on the varsity soccer team. She was super tiny. She was only five foot and like 100 pounds. She's, she's a tiny little one. And everyone said that when she was playing soccer on the field, she was a force to be reckoned with. Like she was a badass on She's the field. She's probably super slippery. <laughs> that's that's it. She was super <laughs> slippery. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what you got to do when you're small. You just got to be just slippery. Slide through all places. <laughs> Her parents, Dawn and Chad, they decided that they were going to separate and get divorced when she was only 16 years old. That was in 2008. This separation was really hard on Brittany because she came to know Chad as a father figure to her. Like he was the one that raised her and stuff. At the same time that was happening, her family home went into foreclosure and her family was struggling. So Brittany ended up living with Dawn, her mother, but she stayed really close with Chad and stayed a part of his life. Chad said that during all these big life events, Brittany's depression got really bad because she had been suffering for multiple years now at this point with depression. He said that also at this time, her grades started declining. She was skipping school and overall starting to rebel. There are certain reports that at this time she overdosed on drugs on accident and that everyone considered it to be like a cry for help of like, I'm depressed, but not suicidalness. But that has never been concrete fact proven whether it did or didn't happen and no one's been able to prove it. So I didn't want to go ahead and say that it might have happened. But I do want to clarify that that's something that a lot of people will bring up. And it's not bad that people bring it up, but it's not necessarily maybe true. So it's something you got to kind of take with a grain of salt there. Well, and I think that taking enough drugs in general is still risky. So and, you know, it's she, worth saying if she was depressed and everything else. And she was that young and she's also, you know, doing sports. Maybe she takes medicine and stuff. It genuinely could have been just a complete accident. It's easy to make mistakes like that when you're younger. Yeah. Or like forgetting that you took it already. And, and then you go to take more. Again, yeah. Like, crap. I already took this. And especially with her being that tiny. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure everything affected her like instantly. At 17 years old, Brittany now was a junior in high school and she hadn't really decided what she wanted to do with her life. She thought she might want to be a nurse. She wanted to attend cosmetology school and she was enrolled in it. I just don't know if she's attending it yet. She thought she might want to become a model. She just was one of those kids where it's like the sky's the limit. In April of 2009, Brittany wanted to make the most of her high school experience. So she asked her mother if she could go away for spring break. Brittany was asking Dawn if she could go to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina with her boyfriend named John Greco and some of the girls from school. Dawn knew that in her school, going to Myrtle Beach was a senior year tradition that all the kids did. But she didn't like this plan because, A, Brittany's not a senior. And the girls that Brittany would be going with weren't even her friends. They were just like these acquaintances she kind of knew. Brittany didn't have the funds to remember the family struggling to and stuff. And there was going to be no adults on the trip to watch over them. It also made her uncomfortable that everyone in the group was older than Brittany. Everyone else was 18 or older and Brittany was only 17. I could see that being mm-hmm. an issue. Did you ever go away for spring break? No. I, I went so. I went on a family vacation once, which like, I guess, I don't know if that counts or not. But then I did go on vacations, but like my vacations weren't like, oh my God, I'm going to Florida. I went to the middle of nowhere, Kentucky one time <laughs> to visit family, obviously. And then like another year I went up to somewhere north in Michigan and stuff like I didn't. Stray yeah, I far. went north Michigan a lot and like Mackinac and Charlevoix. But then also when I was younger, younger, like. I think it was like 10, maybe I went to like Michigan Adventure and then. Yeah, like I think I did know, things like that like, with my siblings. Yeah. And then I did go to Florida. I went to Disney with my parents. But it was, I went, my parents were still together, so it was before high school. Yeah, I went to Epcot with my dad once. I went to, like, Bush Gardens with my mom. I did, like, a few of those type yeah. things. But, like, I never did that whole, like, you're in high school, you go crazy and you go, go party somewhere. Yeah, no, me either. I also never went to a single party my entire high school career. Me either. Not a I've single one. Been. I guess I went to After Prom, but After Prom was hosted by my high school. Yeah. So it was, like, Same. super safe. Yeah. We would just there like was Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. There was like fruit punch that was not spiked. Yeah. If anything, it was like Dollar General brand. Classy. Woo-hoo. <laughs> they spent all the money on prom. They couldn't afford anything else. It also just wasn't safe for Brittany to go that far away, Dawn thought. And Dawn didn't like the idea of Brittany being 10 plus hours away with all these older girls and no adults. She instantly said she had a really bad feeling about the whole thing. But when Dawn says she has a bad feeling, she meant like, what if something happens where the kids get drunk or what if they get caught sneaking in an underage bar? Like something like like that feeling of something. Not like a my kid's going to wind up dead or missing. Right. That's that wasn't her initial thought there. Therefore, Dawn thought the plan sounded like a problem just waiting to occur. And Dawn and Brittany got into a huge screaming fight about the whole ordeal. And for the next few days, the tensions at home were super high and they argued nonstop. Very teen angsty. Very teen angsty. (laughs) As Dawn and Brittany did argue over it, Brittany continued to try to convince her and the arguments were getting worse every single day. She ended up asking Chad and she essentially got the same answer as Dawn. He just told her no. So at this point, Brittany was angry and annoyed and she's like, this is just stupid. I want to go away with my friends. On April 22nd, 
Brittany decided to take a different approach and lie to her mom. Instead, she asked if she could go to a friend's house for a few days to have a sleepover, like telling her, hey, you know, we've been fighting. I think we should take some space. I'll just go hang out with my friends and then I'll return back to school and everything will be fine. Dawn was like, "Okay, you know, she really didn't do anything all of her spring break. That's fine. I'll agree to this plan and it'll be fine. But only if I can call and talk to the parents of who you're staying with. But what actually happened was one of Brittany's, and I'm using this term lightly, friends, pretended to be the parent and talked to Dawn on the phone to solidify the lie. Of course. Now, one of the people that she talked to, everyone thinks is the girls that she went down with. Brittany ended up telling the girls that the girls that she's going to join in Myrtle Beach now that she's going to join them. She's like, yeah, yeah, I got I got the OK. You guys know that. So Brittany left for the 13 ish hour drive without telling her mother the truth. But she did tell John Grieco, her boyfriend, so that someone at least knew. And originally the plan did invite John, but John ended up having to stay in the Rochester area because he ended up having to work. So you want to hear something funny? Yeah. One of my ex-boyfriends, his name is Josh Greco. Do you think, is this pronounced Greco? Did I say it wrong? I mean, maybe. Greco, Greco. I've heard it both ways, so I just was going with, with the what I With like. it seems more Greco. Okay. I When I did look it up, people literally said it was half and half, and I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I was just like, well, it's so weird. I was thinking Greco, because also Geico. That's why I thought, you know, oh. just add an er, er. Greco, Greco. I don't know. John I'm going to continue Greco, but he's John G. Johnny G. Johnny G. And it'll make sense that John was supposed to be on this event when you hear who the group of people is. It kind of was like a everyone had a coupling. You'll oh, understand. Okay. okay. So the girls that Brittany were going to be traveling down with are Alana Lippa and Jennifer Ober. But when they ended up getting into the car and everything, Brittany found out that they invited a group of guys to join them. And that group consisted of Phil Oberer, which is Jennifer's brother. And that happens to be Alana's boyfriend. And another person named Uwer Ozaturk. Wow. <laughs> this name is spelled not what Bina just said. <laughs> I'm telling you, I looked shit up tonight. I would have said Ugar Ozturk. <laughs> it is a Swedish name. Wow. <laughs> and um, Uwer was Jennifer's boyfriend. So the girls were going to end up having a... And so that's why it made sense that Brittany would have had her boyfriend, right? Everyone yeah. in that groupling had a, a boo. A boo. So the girls were going to end up having one room at the Bar Harbor Resort on um 100 south ocean boulevard in myrtle beach and their room was 305 then the boys were going to stay at a different hotel and they were going to share a room which i'm proud that they did that much i guess right that's one step surprised all in all though that wasn't the only group there were actually going to be nine people going down vacationing and every single one was older than 18 except for Brittany. so once all nine people are into the story Here's the names. Alana Lippa, Jennifer Ober, Phil Ober, Uwer Ozaturk, uh, V.E. Twin, Louis D'Amicchio, Nico Shiriko, Kelly Sinclair, and Anthony Humphreys. Wow. Are you impressed I'm with me tonight? so impressed. <laughs> so proud of you. 
if you guys see all these names, it's that is it's not it's not what it looks like at all. Most of them are different. Like one of them Swedish, one's Vietnamese. Uh, I can't remember. Also, the the win. Um, I had a coworker with that last name at Starbucks, so that's how I knew. Really? And yeah, he was Vietnamese. Brittany was not really friends with any of these people. Like out of all nine of them, she wasn't friends with any of them. In fact, everyone that knew that she was going on this trip was like, why'd they invite Brittany? Why is Brittany going? Like, she doesn't even know these people and they don't like her and she doesn't don't like them. Don't even like- go here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was also weird, like, if she's not friends with this- these people and doesn't know them. And remember, she only has like $100 or so to her name at this point. Her family's not giving her money. Are they fronting the bill for her? Are they just letting her have a free ride? Like, why would they invite her? If they're not friends with her and she doesn't have money, it's very it does sound like mean girls. It's very shady. Yeah. And it's going to get more mean. Okay. It was a large group of people and they're all heading down. Right. Once they get down there, you'll find out there's another group of friends who are vacationing at the beach who are also from Rochester, New York. So let's add another group of people. Ready? Ready. This is Peter Brozowitz. He's 20 years old. Only 20, mind you. And he's a nightclub promoter. Shouldn't you be 21? Okay, whatever. Moving on. He's from the Rochester, New York area. And Peter did know Brittany. And it it's rumored that Brittany and Peter were friends for potentially maybe years. They just might not have been close friends. And Dawn does say she vaguely remembers Peter. So they, they probably were friends. Okay. So Brittany and Peter knew each other. So she at least felt a little bit better because Peter was only staying at the Blue Water Resort on 2001 South Ocean Boulevard. And that's only about a mile and a half away from her hotel or her motel that she was staying at. The people that Peter was staying with in his room is Peter Brozowitz, Keith Cummings, Phil Watson, Matt Ahrens, and Anthony Schmizzi. Those pretty normal names. On Thursday, April 23rd, 2009, Brittany and the friends arrived at the Bar Harbor Motel and instantly once they got there and Brittany was there at the beach, she was so excited to be there. They all started treating her like shit, being so rude to her, bullying her, being mean, just like literally awful people. And she was texting John to tell him that. And she's like, I'm miserable. I just got here and it already sucks. They were being snippy and rude to her. And there was even an instance where so there was two beds in the room and each girl got a bed and Brittany was on the Murphy bed and they jokingly tried locking her in the bed. Those things are not you don't mess with those things. No, you can get seriously injured and hurt and die. Even. People have died. I checked it. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Though? The Muppet movie? No. Oh, um, <clears throat> in The Sims 4 Tiny Living. Uh, you can have Murphy beds and they're really cute. Like it actually is super fucking cute. But if you don't upgrade it, you die like the second time you use it anytime whatsoever. Every single time. Have you seen the two new Sims expansion packs that are coming out next month? One of one of I know one of them. One of them's camping and the other one is called like Moonshine Mystery. I knew there was something about moons. Very excited. <laughs> Kyla and I love. We should make a cryptic soup pod house. Let's do it. We should both make one and then we compare how we think the other ones would have looked or something. That would be fun. 
I'm not making something for you. No, like, like we'll see how the other person interprets like, our podcast. In I gotcha. Sense. Okay. Like, all we got to think of is like, if we had our perfect podcast home, how would it look? You can channel it, whether it's like what you think our podcast symbolizes or like the dream setup if we had a house to record in. Either one you pick and then we'll compare. Interesting. Let's do it. Bet this will be fun. Follow us on Instagram. We'll we'll, we'll post it. <laughs> this is so cool. I love this. <laughs> it's like not competitive, but it's like it's interesting. Fun to like, see, like playfulness. How, yeah, yeah. Like how see how would. you each have a thought. Yeah. Okay. She Brittany had said that she was super uncomfortable with a lot of the activities the girls were doing because they were wanting to drink excessively and apparently they were using drugs. Hmm. This was obviously causing tension because Brittany didn't like those things. That made Brittany want to be alone for a lot of the trip and she kept distancing herself and just going on walks alone at the boardwalk or anything to get away from them. That'd be me. <laughs> just, just leaving the situation. <laughs> On Thursday, April 23rd, 2009, Brittany and some of the group decided they were going to go to a place called Club Kryptonite together. Start Googling right now what Club Kryptonite looks like. It's hilarious. It's hilarious? That's the word you're using? It looks like exactly what I imagine a place called Club Kryptonite to look. Especially when it glows neon green, it looks like a cheesy villain hangout tv movie bar that like someone that's never been to a bar made a bar oh my god i can't even does it make sense why it kind of looks like if the chum bucket wasn't a bucket (laughs) and was silver it's really bad looking plankton lives here (laughs) so that's club kryptonite so they decide to go there and you have to remember all these people are only about like 18s 20s so they're all potentially sneaking in or it was an 18 club. I did not look. I'm so sorry. I might be lying to you. They're permanently closed. Oh, I know that. <laughs> but guess who was there? Peter. Peter was promoting and working on things, doing doing great. So again, I'm thinking it had to have been an 18 club. Like that's the only way it makes sense because how would they allow a promoter to come in and promote if he's not 21? I don't know. It just sounds really backwards to me. I feel like being a promoter would be hard if you're not 21 years old. Yeah, it only is talking about like it being closed. So we can't figure that out. If anyone knows, you can let us know. Um, While at the club, Brittany ran into Peter and his friends. And there's photos and pictures of Brittany and Peter and some of the other people in Club Kryptonite's VIP because Peter had a VIP because he was doing stuff. These pictures look like what you exactly imagine a 2009 spring break adventure in a club to look like. (laughs) Fake GTLs, puka shell necklaces, collars popped, polo shirts on, girls in those like. Hollister. It's the Hollister 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 tie tank tops that all have like blue and green wave and flower patterns on them and stuff. Yes, that's exactly what this is. You know. I lived it. <laughs> oh, same. I do. I wish I didn't, but I did. <sighs> Friday, April 24th, 2009, Brittany decided to go for a walk. This is the next night over on Ocean Boulevard. So that's near her motel. 
And while she was out walking around, probably to get away from the roommates and stuff, some guys started being really rude and were like catcalling her and disrespecting her. And it was really getting to her. She started feeling really unsafe. And then she found a guy that was also walking alone. And she mentioned he looked nice. So she just like walked up to him. Okay. And she's like, hi, you know. You couldn't have found a a girl walking alone that looked... (sighs) Around the same age or anything, anything. So she she told him, you know, like, hey, can you help me with these guys? And they chatted and they noticed they were both on vacation. He said he was from the Midwest. And eventually they agreed for some weird reason to go back and hang out at the hotel room. It wasn't like a sexual event or anything like that. But this guy ended up making a short video on his cell phone of Brittany And at one point she's sitting on the bed and she's texting more than likely texting John, her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And he like looks over and he's like, Hey Brett. And Brittany looks up at the camera and kind of like smiles and she might even wave. I don't remember. And then, um, there's like a second clip where she's sitting out on the balcony and the, the door is open. She's sitting in like a plastic chair and he walks over to her and she waves or something again, but she's again, just like on her phone. And there's a timestamp on it that does say it's Friday I think it even says the time, maybe like 10 p.m. or something. It's dark. It's late at night. And that coincides, though, with everything we've learned up to this point. Now, I'm going to fast forward just for a second. When this guy who took this video found out that Brittany was the missing girl, he instantly like instantly called the police and he's like, "Uh, I have this video. Like, I don't want anything to be linked to me. I might be the last person that's seen her alive. So I am letting you know now I have a video. So he ended up being That's questioned. Smart. Yeah, like turn yourself in before someone That's else could. That's what you should do. So he ended up being questioned, but he wasn't even considered a suspect or even a person of interest. Now, that video did get a lot of traction in 2010 when Dawn went on the Today Show and she showed it to try to gain more traction on the case again to be like, this is what she looks like. She was here. She was in this area. Like, look, other people were nice enough to help her out. Why can't you guys help us solve this? But um. That's all just kind of like a little like, hey, guys, here's an update. So we're going to rewind and go back. Um, Saturday, April 25th, 2009. So this is the night after that video. Between 11 and like noonish, Brittany decides she's going to go see Peter and his friends while they are all on uh, the beach. Have a little beach day, you know. The group she came with didn't want to join her like Alana and them. So she went and hung out with Peter and his friends. While at the beach around 2 p.m., Dawn actually called Brittany. Dawn and Brittany were having a conversation on the phone because Dawn promised to buy Brittany new soccer cleats. And so she was purchasing them and she's like wanting to make sure, you know, she had the right size, she had the right type, everything like that. And then Brittany says something being like, blah, 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 I'm at the beach. Now, we don't know if that was like a slip up, if it was intentional. Maybe she was like, oh, my God, I hope she yells at me. Maybe she'll send me home. She'll figure out. We, we don't know what happened. She just mentioned she's at the beach. And it was like 80 degrees in New York that day. So it was a really hot day. So Dawn was like, oh, you know, her and her friends went to Charlotte Beach over in Rochester. Like, obviously, she's still in town. She told me she was. So Brittany ended the phone call with, I love you, mom. I'll see you tomorrow. They hang up. That's the end of it. And that ends up being the last time that Dawn ever hears from Brittany. At least it was nice. Yeah, at least they got over that fight because they said, like, I love you and stuff. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. But it's still just so sad. Yeah. Later that day, Peter gave Brittany a ride back to the motel and she ended up leaving her flip flops in his vehicle 
we're led to believe. No one knows for sure, but we are led to believe that because it it makes sense later for the story. That night around 8 slash 8.15 ish, the reason that we're not sure about the time is because there's a lot of CCTV footage. Um, nope, we're not in Canada. <laughs> there's a lot of security footage tapes. <laughs> and uh, I'm still stuck on Phoebe Hansjuk, apparently. Sorry. There's a lot of security footage tapes, but all of them have a slightly different timestamp. Some say 8, some say 8.10, some say 8.15, some say 8.05. So we know it was between 8 and 8.15, but we don't... <laughs> We don't Y'all know. couldn't just not everyone in let South Carolina or... sets their clocks the same, apparently. <laughs> All right. YOLO that town. Go Myrtle <laughs> Beach. Brittany left to go walk from the Bar Harbor Motel where she was staying to the Blue Water Hotel where Peter's staying. And that's around 8, 815. She supposedly was going so she could retrieve her flip flops. So that's why we think the flip flops were in his car. There is footage on the security cameras showing her walking. But the thing is, is the security cameras were really spaced out, like where we can see things. So we'll see, you know, her walking here and it says 805. But then we see her walking, you know, two buildings down and it'll say 803. Right. So that's why it's kind of a mess. And there's incorrect timestamps. But we know it was all in that same same time period ish. Something I didn't bring up earlier that's. It's it's something that we just need to think about. Dawn said she never knew Brittany to be the person to go walk around somewhere. She said it didn't matter how close the place was. She would have Dawn drive her. She did not like just casually walking anywhere. Yeah, but when you're in Myrtle Beach, that's exactly my thought. Every time I hear people bring that up, because I'm like, like, yeah, I don't like walking here. I don't want to walk in New York, <laughs> but I'll walk in Myrtle Beach. Sure. Well, I'm going to walk in New York, but, you know, well. If you're living in New York, you're probably tired of walking in New York. Right. Um, if I'm on the beach in Myrtle Beach, I'm walking the beach. And especially if you do have these roommates you hate and stuff, what are you going to do? Just sit in the lobby and be miserable? Go sit on the beach alone? Like, I feel like that'll just kind of make you feel bad about feeling bad. Like, yeah. And she didn't want to just probably walk around aimlessly all the time because the cat calling situation. So yeah. sure, walk to the guys' hotel room or something. Yeah, I don't know. That... Footage had Brittany wearing a blue designed printed top. To me, Kylie described it best like a Hollister-y looking haltery tie around the neck type top. It reminds me of something you would buy maybe at like Wet Seal, Hollister. I like, was going to say something like, like Charlotte that. Rouge. Yes. <laughs> she had a tan purse that was slug. Slug. <laughs> no, it, it was, was not. Slug. It was not a slug. It was slung over her left shoulder. She was wearing... White flip flops. They kind of looked like they maybe had like a little tie style on them. And then she had black shorts. The Blue Water Resort cameras caught Brittany entering at approximately 835 p.m. Brittany enters, goes to the right, goes up to the sixth floor, goes to room 601. And that's where Peter and his friends were staying. Now, later, they find out from the police that Phil and Keith tell a story to the police about what happened during this event. So I'm going to put it in right here so you guys can hear what they they think like maybe happened. But Phil and Keith say that she was only in the hotel room for 10 minutes and then she left. The boys said that they were watching the Boston Red Sox versus New York Yankees game. But here's what I would like to clarify. The game started at 4 p.m. And ended at 8.31 p.m. that night. 
they had stated to the Myrtle Beach Police Department that Brittany visited during the game while the game was happening. However, Brittany did not get up to the room until after 835 at at least like at the earliest. So technically, no, she could not have arrived during the game. However, I like sports, so I would like to give my personal input here. There could have been a post-game show. There could have been recaps, something like that happening. And if someone asked me what I was doing and I'm watching a sports recap of the game I just watched, I'm going to say watching I'm watching it. the game. Yeah. If there's a sports show, I'm not going to instantly be like, well, Corey, I'm actually watching the Lakers rerun part so that we can find out what happened during <laughs> the like second. Okay. So there's like, there's this one part where someone actually maybe got a foul, but we're not sure. And so we're rewatching that clip to see if it really was a foul. Cause it could have changed the whole course of the game because they only lost by two points. I'm going to say, I'm still watching the game. Yeah. Even if I'm talking to like a police, I think I would still say I'm watching the game because I wouldn't want to lie and say I was watching the recap when I wasn't. I wouldn't think of saying that even. I would just say I'm watching the game. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Especially dumb teenage boys. Yeah. Like you're not going to pay attention. Well, wait, I say teenage boys. Um, Peter and his friends were all between the ages of 20 to 25. Do you think that makes them an adult? No, not at all. But I would <laughs> like to clarify that she, a 17 year old, was hanging out with 20 to 25 year old men little sketchy but even more of a reason that they like can't get their story straight because they're like oh i don't want to be in trouble because she's underage this is weird oh, i'm just yeah, gonna maybe. try to like oh my god i'm nervous because they're gonna be mad about that and i feel like they could have been you know a little like no 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 we were watching the game and especially once one of the guys that phil says i'm watching the game so he's like yeah we were watching the game like you're gonna agree with your bro because you right. remember watching the game yeah so that is a little maybe of a messy situation but as a person that does like sports i i completely forgive them of that part of the situation while britney was at the blue water resort jennifer ober had been texting her and was getting really fucking pissed so she asked her to come back to the hotel room like moments when britney arrived jennifer started texting her she said she had to come back and return the black shorts that she was wearing we don't know if Brittany asked to borrow Jennifer's shorts or what happened there. Maybe she just took them. Who knows? But the shorts were Jennifer's and Jennifer said she had to wear them out that evening. It was super important. It made him braid like it would make her break her outfit. Of course. Now, it was reported that Jennifer was so super pissed about the situation, which like we'll find out if that's true or not. But also, I'm wondering if that was like a on purpose thing. Like Jennifer's like, yeah, you can wear my shorts. That's cool. And then them wait like 20 minutes for her to walk a mile and a half. And then she's uh, like, bitch, come back. Yeah. Just to continue antagonizing her. Because I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Just to be mean. I get that vibe. So Brittany's like, fuck, I got to go back. So Brittany's like, okay, I'm going to leave. The Blue Water Resort cameras show Brittany leaving at 848. So the boys are also right. She was only there for like 10 minutes. That makes me also think that's more believable and the recaps are definitely gonna last longer than 30 minutes so the recaps are still going on yeah that's just a whole nother like and you know it's like in the background and super fucking loud and they're still talking about the game what happened good bad and they're not ready to go out yet because they just got done watching the game so they're they're shooting shit about the game exactly especially if they really are fans of that area because that's not super far from where they live well Mm. yankees is new york so that was a hometown team for them right They're going to talk about the sports. 
Now, the interesting thing about the cameras showing Brittany leaving at 8.48 p.m. is the cameras showed her exiting and going the opposite direction of her hotel room, like of her resort or um, not her resort, her motel. Now, the next camera that should have picked up Brittany walking, though, the next one that would have been like at the next building, it never has footage of Brittany. So somewhere between building one and the next camera, she's just gone without a trace. Now, people don't just vanish into thin air. I mean, well, missing 411. Sure. I can't say that for a fact anymore. <laughs> I've learned too much. That's a little scary. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was also known that Brittany was texting her boyfriend the whole time she was there. But at 8.58 on the dot, she just stopped replying. He didn't hear from her again. Earlier that day, she texted John and told him how the vacation really sucked and she was super miserable. She said she had already packed up almost all of her stuff and she was ready to leave the next morning. She couldn't wait to get home. So John was like, why the hell did she stop replying all of a sudden? So he started blowing up her phone, texting and calling her and she wasn't answering. So he called her and texted her and he like threatened her, not like aggressively, but he's like, I'm going to tell your mom where you are if you don't reply to me. Because he knew that would like scare Brittany into being honest and being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, not with my phone, you know, whatever she would have said. But she didn't reply to that. And John's like, shit, something is wrong. There is no reason that Brittany wouldn't reply to that. So it was an hour after her last text at this point, and John was super anxious at this point. So he called Don Drexel and he's like, I can't get a hold of Brittany. She's missing. And uh, by the way, she's missing in South Carolina. Oops. <laughs> Mama Bear Mode activated 101 there. Mm hmm. And John's like, I don't know any of the numbers of the other people that Brittany's there with, so I can't call anyone. So he hadn't texted or called anyone to figure out where, like, where she could be, except for Brittany, but Brittany was going unanswered. Now, Dawn, remember, had the number of the girls because they pretended to be the girls that she was having sleepover mom. with. Good job, mom mode. <laughs> so she started calling them. Fake mom mode. Well, Yeah. <laughs> So Dawn started calling Alana and Jennifer and they didn't answer. They both just ignored all of her calls. You right. want to know why they ignored? Because they were out at the club. Right. I'm sorry. I thought Jennifer needed the shorts to go to the club. <laughs> Does not surprise me at all. It doesn't. But God, they're brats. They're brats. They're mean girls. They're high school mean girls. Yep. So Alana and Jennifer ended up going out and they were... They were doing their plans, even though they had voicemails from Dawn being like, Brittany is missing and she's supposed to be with you. Where is she? Well, Dawn did know Peter, so she called Peter and she got him to answer, but he would not give her any consistent story to tell her like where she is or what's happening. He gave her three different versions and none of them made sense. And then in the end, when she's like, can you help me find my daughter? He word for word said, I'm not a babysitter. No, I liked him. I thought I liked him. And he was the last person that saw her. So we're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you're an asshole right now. So Dawn then called John Han, a family friend who was stationed over in Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. And she's like, hey, I need you to drive over to Myrtle Beach. Look for Brittany because something's clearly wrong. I will drive down from New York right now. But I need you to go file this missing persons report. So at that point, Don contacted Chad, told him the plan while John was on his way to go file the missing persons report. Is it John Hahn? 
John Hond. <laughs> you like that, don't you? Well, it's funny because it's not spelled that way. No. It should be like John Han. Yeah. But it's John Hahn. <laughs> it's like the same thing. I'm glad that made you happy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's amusing. <laughs> English is weird. It's like Julia <laughs> Gulia from The Wedding Singer. Yeah. My name is Julia Gulia. It's literally the same thing. Love it. According to the missing persons report that John filed with MBPD, which is Myrtle Beach Police Department, for those of you that are not in the know, it was filed at 4.51 a.m. the next morning when he did meet with the officers at the Bay Harbor Motel. Bar. What did I say? Bay. Oh, oops. I think I've done that more than once, actually. I feel like no, I've said I it. So. Oh, really? Do you know me? Bay, <laughs> Bay Harbor <laughs> sounds better than Bar Harbor. It does. Bar Harbor. <laughs> yeah, see, it does that when I say like it. Harbor. I don't like it. I turned Bay. into a pirate. Bay would be better. Come on, guys. Change <laughs> your name. Rename them. The interesting thing is in the report, it states that John had contacted some of the travel companions that refused to answer Don's calls. I don't know who, but like, it sounds like he called Alana and them and they answered is how it sounded in the reports. Or like he called Peter and them and people answered that didn't answer for Don. Now, it's also weird because the officers say the same things. They say that Peter and other people answered. So it's as if Dawn's the only person that everyone's avoiding. Well, but didn't they have their her phone? Who? What are you saying? The girls had her like phone number from being the mom quoting that. Yeah. Mom. So they they recognized they that knew number with the number when Dawn was, but they wouldn't have recognized John or the police department. They definitely wouldn't right, have recognized that's why they answered because a call from that number. Because they're curious and want all of the attention possible. While all this was happening, the group of people that Brittany had gone down to South Carolina with, they were all out partying, right? Well, two of them, Veet and Uer, got arrested. Oh, lovely. They were out driving Phil Ober's orange 2004 Pontiac Grand Prix GT, and they were pulled over for a noise ordinance. Mm. So... Uwer was ticketed a second time for driving without a license. And then Viet was uh, issued one for littering. So it wasn't just that one thing. There was other things going on, right? Police noticed that Uwer had actually been ticketed four days prior in New York for driving without a license. Uh-oh. The same thing. So instantly they took the boys in. Jennifer and Phil were called to come to the police station and pick up the car, and they posted bail for the boys and got the car out of the impound lot. On Sunday, April 26, 2009, the Myrtle Beach Police Department began looking for Brittany by going to the Bar Harbor Motel first, but no one was answering the door as they kept knocking, so they decided to go into the room by force. They noticed the room had all of Brittany's clothes, her bag, her charger, her straightener still plugged in, but her purse and cell phone were missing. Now, back in 2009, you're not leaving anywhere without your charger and your straightener because your phone battery life does not last. And in that humidity, your hair's gone to poof. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> fix that thing. So I know that clearly Brittany did not leave on her own accord. <laughs> like, the room did have some belongings from the other girls as well, but like, Britney's, you could very visibly tell, were there. 
Dawn at this point had all had already driven to Myrtle Beach and she was there and she started helping in with the search for her daughter. I would like to let you know, she eventually relocates to Myrtle Beach permanently and move there just so she can be close to where Brittany was last seen to monitor the progress of the investigation and help it out. No, she is committed to solving this. As the weekend was coming to a close, the original plan was for the kids to check out of the rooms and drive home Sunday. Like, we even know that because she told John, like, I'm so excited to return home. She told her mom, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, she knew they were leaving tomorrow, right? Right. Right? Because you would have school on Monday. That doesn't give you a lot of time. That's a long drive before a short, short excursion. (laughs) I did it one time. I drove 13 hours to Atlanta, Georgia, stayed for four days, and then drove home. It was exhausting. I mean, I did that all the time when I lived in Georgia. It was the worst. Yeah. I do. These old bones cannot do that. That's a young man's game. Nope. I will fly now. (laughs) I will pay the extra price for. I'll pay the extra price or I will take that extra day off work and I will have someone come with me in half and half drive. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't do that whole drive either. Well, as I was saying, though. The plan was to go home, right? Like, we've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, Alana and Jennifer actually booked another room for the next night in a different hotel called the Boardwalk Hotel, also on Ocean Boulevard, just like further down. So they were not planning on leaving that night. And I'm sure if Brittany was still there, they were not planning on telling her they're staying another night and moving hotels. Definitely not. So are we led to believe that they weren't going to tell her? Did they know she wasn't going to be with them? Were they going to package up her stuff and take it with them? It's very confusing where we're at right now and what we do and don't know, right? Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. And we can't get a hold of the girls. At the same time, that same night, when Peter and his friends found out that Brittany's missing, you know what their reaction was? Pack up and leave. Drive all the way back to New York at like 2 a.m. or something like that. 1 a.m. Just Brittany's missing. Pack. Leave. Weird. A little bit. A little and sus. To give you an example of how weird it was, he only packed half of his shit. He left the other half in the room and just was like, nope. He also didn't even get his hotel deposit back. He just like bailed. Literally bailed on it. And then when he got back home to New York, instantly he gets a lawyer. And he deletes his Facebook and anything having to do with Myrtle Beach. Anything. There's Was he he scared because he was the last one to see her? I think that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Some reports say that his friends stayed behind and then some say that his friends left. Maybe his friends also got a different hotel. Um, I don't really understand because they super conflict every single way. But supposedly, if the friends did leave with him, one of the reasons why was because Someone got in trouble for being in Myrtle Beach, like their parents like yelled at them. But again, remember, these guys are like 20 through 25. So I'm just confused if maybe somewhere along the years playing telephone, something got lost in translation and now everyone keeps reporting the same wrong stuff. I just don't know. But at least Peter did go home. Since the last thing we knew for sure was the police had heard from John that Brittany texted him saying she's heading back to her hotel and she had left Peter's. That's where they started. The search was in that area. They headed over to the hotel. The MBPD got the phone records showing that the network, the phone network, the ping, like when they bounce off the towers of being used, Mm -hmm. they were like, okay, let's track the pings. So they did recognize the ping over by the hotel. 
And that was at 8.58 when she last interacted with John. And that was near the hotel. But then they got another ping from Brittany's phone at 9.27 on a location near Surfside Beach, which is like 6 to 10 miles away from Myrtle Beach. Then it pinged again a couple hours later at 11.58 p.m. at a location near North Sanatee River on Highway 17, and that's Tower 332 near Georgetown. That is 46 miles from the hotel. Now, at the rate that that is from the first ping to the third ping and the distance that is traveled, it shows us that she has to be traveling by car. There's no way she could have physically on foot traveled that. So now we need to think, where was there a car that she willingly potentially got into or something? Right. Because no one heard or said that they saw a girl struggling. So now we're even more confused. Where the fuck did this car come from? Did well, and like Myrtle Beach is a tourist area. It's busy. Like it's always busy. Popping on a Saturday night, nonetheless. Right. Like someone would have seen something, you'd think. The pings had stopped abruptly on the morning of April 26th. And the area around Myrtle Beach where the body could have been disposed of was searched for the next 11 days. Just just in case. They didn't say she was dead or anything like that. She's a kidnapped and or missing person. That's all we know. Okay. While searches and everything was happening, Brittany's family and investigators were trying to make sure the case was getting tons of traction so she could be found. Because they were hoping out, holding out, hoping that she was alive. On May 4th, 2009, police released the hotel surveillance videos of Brittany, like the one where I talked about the outfit and stuff. They also released the traffic cam footage from the main drag area, like where she was walking. On May 11th, 2009, Brittany's parents appeared on the Dr. Phil show, bringing the case to a national spotlight level, along with Peter and others in the clips. Oh, they do like interviews with him. And Peter's sitting there with his lawyer, obviously. And I'm going to have Corey put in a small clip here where you can hear Peter being addressed by Chad, uh, Chad, Chad Drexel. Obviously, the other voice is Dr. Phil. I assume most of you know Dr. Phil's voice. So I'm not even going to address which one's him. <laughs> but I want you to hear kind of the disposition Peter gives. And you'll hear him say the whole fucking like, I'm not a babysitter line a second time. So please, Corey. Peter, how old are you? 20. You're 20. How old's my daughter? 17. So you knew you were hanging out with a minor out of state, correct? Yeah. Okay, so that's my first question. And you had her in your hotel room with your friends who are much older than her as well, right? Uh, one was 19, another, another one was 20. Right, and, uh, so my point yeah. here is, you said you knew that the atmosphere down there was not safe, correct? Correct. So why didn't you step up and say, it doesn't matter, Brittany, let me take you so-and-so. I can hear that you had an argument with John. Why? Okay, first of all, it's because I'm not, I'm on spring break. I'm not there to babysit anybody. I don't know Brittany like that, but as I know, she was down there with how many other friends? Um, she was at two different hotels. Um, I don't know what they did the whole week. Peter, I you're throwing yourself under the bus. You're throwing yourself under. So, yeah, you can just hear in that clip how Peter doesn't really have a lot of respect for anyone. But again, he's only a 20 year old who just potentially became the center of a big crime or like kidnapping thing. 
he might and be he's stressed. He might actually, yeah, be being really be being. He might be, yeah, he might be being really smart. <laughs> yeah, because also like you know he just went to have a good fun vacation and then all of a sudden he's roped into this whole fucking thing and he's like dude all i fucking want to do is go down and promote this club and like get my name out in the carolina area to make more money and all this shit had to go down all because i was nice to this fucking 17 year old girl and she left her flip-flops like maybe he's just being stressed yeah or maybe he did something dum 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 you don't know bum still in 2009 we're now at june 6th Britney's story was now featured on America's Most Wanted. On November 12th, 2009, Britney's story was on the cover of People magazine. They did like a little cover that had six or so different people on it. And it said like, look at these interesting missing missing persons cases. It also on this same cover featured another case that I'm spooked by, Mitrice Richardson, a very interesting person gone missing type scenario, like death type thing that I oh it's on the back burner y'all but it's just okay. weird that they were on the same cover in December campers had found knockoff Prada sunglasses that were like so pristine um clean nice good condition and investigators were like oh my gosh is this linked to the case but there was no matching DNA and also at this point we are months and months later so they probably would have been messed up if they were Prada sunglasses knock off Prada Mm, okay I don't know back then you know maybe she'd wear around 2010 the MBPD announced they had three or possibly four persons of interest but they wouldn't give any specific details the police department did send out cadaver dogs and they did polygraph tests on the persons of interest they had but they wouldn't release the details In June 2010, Brittany receives an honorary diploma from her high school that was given to her parents. Oh. Very wholesome. Literally. In June 2010 also, the uh, police department starts closing in on some of the persons of interest. And they now say they are no longer persons of interest, but they are suspects. So we went from code level yellow to orange. We're getting somewhere, maybe. Interesting. In June of 2010, over a year later at this point, a 37-year-old man named Sean Taylor was arrested and accused of trying to kidnap a 20-year-old woman in Myrtle Beach in front of the exact same hotel that Brittany went missing from. The victim was identified as a girl named Rhonda Macy, and she told them that she was, she told the police She was walking when she saw a pale blue van approaching her from behind. Rhonda said there were two men inside of the vehicle that tried to abduct her while a third man was driving. She ended up elbowing one of the men in the face and got to escape. So scary. Very scary. Hate that. So Sean Taylor ended up turning himself in on July 28th, 2010. But the judge at the time, which was Judge J. Scott Long, told Taylor... you'll see why I messed up Um, they told Sean Taylor that they appreciated the fact that he turned himself in but the gravity of the charges requires a bond to be set and stuff and that like he still has to like learn from his mistakes Mm -hmm. go judge when Sean was executed a search warrant for his home on Old Collins Creek Road near Georgetown County line 
they confiscated a truck that was linked to a homicide in the nearby area. But the van wasn't found there. So, oh, you know, okay. But it's okay. The van wasn't found. Then they did a lineup at the police department and Rhonda picked Sean Taylor out of the lineup. But then she said there was something else she remembered. The man that was driving the van was missing one of his arms. Sean Taylor has two arms. It's kind of a big identifier. Very big identifier. (laughs) But just put a pin in this whole situation because it's not the first time we're going to hear about this situation. Now, police thought that this case might be connected to Drexel's disappearance because they had the same task force working on it. So people were seeing the similarities and it was in front of the same hotel. But the charges were dropped five months later because the police noticed the cases were actually not related. But when the story was told, we found out that four other women had similar stories that they had either gone missing or been abducted around the same area around the same time. Not by these same people always, but like the same place, time and everything. Also, someone DM'd me and said, if Thena was ever a doll and they had one of those strings in their back and you pulled it, my only catchphrase would be, Put a pin in that. <laughs> no, they did not. I was so embarrassed because it's true. That's hilarious. But if I put it here, then the suspense is gone. The other thing that people have told you is that if they needed to kidnap you, they would just need to bring dogs. Bring dogs. <laughs> it is so easy to kidnap me. Like, what was what was that story of the dog at work? I was at work and <laughs> this random person that I have never seen before in my life walked up to me and said, hey, you. And I said, yeah. And they said, I heard you like dogs. You want to come to my van and meet one? And I said, sure. (laughs) And I walked all the way to this random human's van. And it wasn't until I was about 90% there that I realized this is a bad idea. (laughs) But I then saw the dog. So it wasn't a bad idea. And it ended up being my coworkers like, brother or something like that and my coworker was finishing up and my coworker said to him like hey I'm gonna go clean up find the girl with the you know whatever color hair I had that time like green and black hair she loves dogs go interact with her blah 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 because all my coworkers use she her pronouns anyways and he's like he's like go find her tell her like tell her you want her to pet a dog and so in his mind he like thought that was a really innocent request like you know hey you I know you you I'm gonna tell you to come pet the dog me not, not thinking about the fact that all. I do a true crime podcast was like, <laughs> dog. <laughs> In October of 2010. Oh my God. I just had the best idea. You scared me. No, no, no. I have the fucking best idea ever. Corey but cut. I wouldn't be able to do it. You and Corey would have to make it happen. When Halloween's over, we should try and see if we can find a really cheap dog Halloween costume somewhere or something online or something. That's a prison uniform and whether it fits Shiro or Saber, because we said we want to integrate them sometimes into the post. We should see if we can get them to sit in front of the food or something and we could have one of them be our prisoner sometimes. That's your idea right now. Yes. <laughs> okay. But I wouldn't be able to help if it's Shiro. So like I'd help with the food, but then I can't help with the photo. But cute. <laughs> Don't know where it came from. It just happened. It was very random. Okay. In October of 2010, 
that feels like such a long time ago because that, that was like 12 years ago at this point. I was graduating high school. Like I just graduated and life was so different back then when I think of then compared to now. Oh, yeah. 2010 sounds so far away. It's super weird to think about like. Like those were the Hollister days. Yeah, because then like, I, that's so weird to me. Well, and it's weird because I'll think of 2010 and I'm like, holy shit, that's forever ago. 1990. That's not that far away. And I'm like, wait, that's not how math works. <laughs> no, that's not science at all. <laughs> so October of 2010, Brittany Drexel's story was featured on the investigation discovery show called Disappeared. I actually ended up watching Whoa. that for part of this. And it's a it's a pretty good episode. Can I help Whoa. you? Did you raise your hand? No. Oh, you're being spooky because I said disappeared. Spooky, yes. Spooky. <laughs> On August 1st, 2011, police searched an apartment in connection to the case. The apartment belonged to a man named Raybert. Raybert? (laughs) Where did you get that from? (laughs) It didn't dawn on me until I said it the second time. Raybert? (laughs) Oh my God. Have you ever seen that TikTok of that girl where she's like... So I have Down syndrome. I have Down syndrome? I have Down syndrome. I have Down syndrome? And she looks so shocked and she just keeps repeating it. And it's like a 30 second long clip. And then finally, the last time she goes to say it, she goes, I have, oh, I have dyslexia. And that's the (laughs) end of the clip. You don't know what she was actually trying to say. Because like the whole thing starts off as she's like, so living a person like myself where I have Down syndrome, and that's when it all starts. Oh, so she and was so just keeps repeating it. Brain fart, and I feel like that's me sometimes. Like I have to say it again to make sure that it was as wrong as I think Down it was. Syndrome? I have Down syndrome, and she's just like, yeah, yeah, d- dyslexia, yeah, dyslexia. <laughs> she's so embarrassed. Um, I think I was thinking, Bert, though. <laughs> I was thinking of Albert. I think I don't really know. I don't huh. know because you really because I thought there's you were nothing like, in this no. case, <laughs> nothing at all. Raybert. Huh. Well, I know what I'm naming my firstborn child. <laughs> Raybert. Hey, Raybert, come get some pork and fried beans. It just sounds like a really bad hick name. This is my son, Raybert. He likes NASCAR and he really wants to grow up to be a uh, fishing pro star. A fishing pro star. Yeah, he good at fishing. Okay. He caught three catfish yesterday. Okay, so <clears throat> this is a really important part of the case, and I'm butchering it. <laughs> Raymond Moody. <laughs> okay, in February of 2012, we're restarting this paragraph. Police identified convicted child rapist. No. <laughs> you missed the whole paragraph. Yeah, I did. <laughs> like in February that says August what are you talking about <laughs> I'm not doing good I was so good the first were, half it's because you were doing so well oh my god Raybert really <laughs> fucked me up <laughs> fuck you Raybert in February I was like what are you talking I'm about I'm gonna make an alternate ego and it's gonna be like my NASCAR self and I'm gonna wear my NASCAR shirt and draw on a really bad mustache and wear one of my wigs and it's gonna be Raybert the NASCAR guy that's my new alter ego, Raybert. You should be him for Halloween. Raybert, my best friend, my my life hero is 
The Tiger King, he's a good man. (laughs) On August 1st, 2011, police searched an apartment in connection to the case. The apartment belonged to a man named Raymond Moody. I almost said it again. I know. That was a rough, that, I don't know why Raymond is a hard name for me, but it's there. He was considered a suspect at this point, but he ended up no longer living at the apartment while they searched it and nothing came from it. So every time we have a lead, it's like nothing. In February of 2012, police identified that Raymond Moody was a convicted child rapist, and they said he was the primary person of interest in the disappearance at this point. A statement from police said there was no new information to share, though. Moody is just one of many people that we have investigated over the course of the investigation. Brittany's mom, Dawn, told News 8 on February 16th, 2012, that if police did have new information about her daughter's disappearance, they would have reached out to her because at this point they, they kept doing it and they hadn't even told her about Moody. So she's like, I don't even know if he's even a real suspect. Like I, she wasn't saying it like a negative way, but she's just like, I, I haven't heard about that yet. In December of 2013, some skeletal remains were found in a remote area where Brittany was last seen. But they weren't Brittany's. In January 2014, so a month later, the coroner in South Carolina announced the bones belonged to a male body. Now, let's just move on from that. Apparently, we're not going to touch that. No one was concerned that we're finding random male bones. Right. (laughs) Okay, cool. Moving on. Like, I couldn't find out any info past that. Really? Nothing. Couldn't even figure out a name. It's a little bit disrespectful, but all right. In a 2014 newspaper article about the case's fifth anniversary, Dawn expressed her theory. She said since Brittany had defied her to go to Myrtle Beach, she had been promised something. Maybe that's why she wanted to go so bad. Like maybe she was going to have a modeling job or something, because in Dawn's eyes, that's the only way Brittany would have defied her like this. At nine o'clock at night. To no, just going to Myrtle Beach in general, the whole concept of leaving. Sorry. Oh, okay. And defying her by like I thought you meant like the whole trip. Leaving her like destination no, of that I'm night. Sorry. Okay. Dawn believed her daughter could have been trafficked by uh because like, you know, she she didn't know anything and she thought that's the only thing that makes sense at this point. The Myrtle Beach police did not believe that that was a strong possibility, and they claimed little to no trafficking takes place in that jurisdiction. Now, if you're wondering. How much does happen in a 2019 report conducted by the South Carolina Human Trafficking Task Force? They rated Horry County as the number one county in South Carolina for reported human trafficking victims. Okay, so I mean, granted, 2019 is 10 years after that happened. Maybe it wasn't number one, but I'm it's hard to believe in 10 years it skyrocketed from maybe like the 30th to the first. I'm going to say it probably was always decently high. And if that is a destination, I feel, I feel. It's a touristy destination. A tourist so place is always. They're normally, yeah. So one of my favorite podcasts did do an episode on this and I haven't listened to it probably in like two years or something, but they comment, um, they are two girls from Nashville and they comment how when the NFL came through to Nashville, there were reports that the sex trafficking numbers skyrocketed. And this sounds like I'm being a little sexist. I'm not trying to. But and this is how the girls on the podcast also said it is whenever there's a grouping of a cluster of men from all out of town and that stuff, 
that's a really good sex trafficking area because you have excuses for why you're there. Like no one knows it's easy to get around, things like that. And you could just blend in in a sense. And when you have that many. Yeah, you just buy a T-shirt in an area. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to take control of what is and isn't happening. And since trafficking is predominantly done by men to younger men or women, when you have a male dominated event happening in an area or you have an area where young people that are easily susceptible, like Brittany was because she was on her phone. She was young. She was alone. Very small. Very upset. And I don't mean to say this in a way, but like she's the prime suspect. Like you couldn't get better than her. Right. She was standing outside alone, walking alone on her phone, probably not paying attention. And she's so small. Like taking her would have been. Yeah. Scoop her up like a damn rag doll. Yeah. I just recently I don't remember if it was a post or a TikTok, but I recently saw something about how people don't realize like how scared women are out in public i can't even walk around with two headphones in no i can't either i don't even even at the gym i don't like having two headphones in because i just get nervous about someone even like assaulting me with their words like in the gym Mm -hmm. and that's not even like me feeling like i'm gonna get Mm -hmm. kidnapped when i um i had to walk from one hotel to where i was staying at in chicago recently and um the whole time i was on the phone with Corey. I was like, I'm not getting off the phone until I'm in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to do it. It's oh. just like. <sighs> Corey and Kylie left me alone once. And. <laughs> that sounds Excuse so me, what? <laughs> they left me alone one time. And I realized once they left, I would have to take the dog out. And when I got home, it was still wintry. So it was kind of dark when I got home and stuff. I was so scared. I made my significant other come and stay with me the whole time while here. And. I made my significant other stand at the door inside and watch the entire time I would be outside with the dog, no matter what. I was just, and like, we have like cameras, we live in a decently safe area and stuff like that. But it was just that fear of the time you let your guard down is the time it's going to happen. Because you think Saber's not gonna, <laughs> she's not going to save you. Either. No, 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 no. She is going to play with the killer as he's killing me. And she's going to be rolling around in my blood thinking it is a fun event. Yeah. And then she will cuddle my dead body and think it's the coolest thing ever. Probably. <laughs> she might wrong. even like start chewing on my hands as a toy. <laughs> You're not wrong. In June 2016, the FBI held a news conference where they said they believed that Brittany had been abducted at Myrtle Beach, taken over near Georgetown where the phone had pinged, and then was murdered shortly after her disappearance. So this is around the first time we're getting that official report of potentially being murdered. She's no longer kidnapped. She might be murdered. And this is 2016. It happened in 2009. You can see why they're now saying this. It's been a long time. But as a mom, that has to hurt to hear that people now assume they're looking for bones instead of a person. Like, oh, yeah, it it would just hurt everything inside you. The FBI ended up putting up a $25,000 reward for information leading to any sort of resolution to the case. Two months later, the Charleston Post and Courier reported new developments. An FBI agent named Garrick Munez testified that early in 2016, an inmate named Taquan Brown had begun serving a 25-year sentence for manslaughter. Unrelated. But 
what was interesting was what he told them. He said, and this is a lot, bear with me, but this is what he said to have happened. In 2009, shortly after Brittany disappeared, he had gone to visit a McClellanville stash house to give money to a guy named Sean Taylor. Remember Sean Taylor from earlier. Uh, by the way, a stash house is kind of like a trap house that you keep your stash in. So you keep your guns, your drugs and stuff like that. So it looks like a trap house, but it technically has a lot of really expensive shit inside. Now, as Taquan was walking through the house, he saw Timothy Deshaun Taylor, different person. Okay, so all this time we've been talking about Sean Taylor. Now we're going to talk about Deshaun Taylor, which is his son. Two different people, but he goes by Deshaun. So, okay. Okay. So as Taquan, Taquan is walking through the building, he sees Deshaun sexually abusing Brittany while other people are in the room. Taquan continued to the backyard where he found Sean, the person he was meeting, the dad. He made his payment because he's like, not my problem. Not going to deal with that. As they were talking, Brittany got up and ran out of the house. But the men ran after her and captured her again. And Taquan said he saw Deshaun pistol whip Brittany and then take her back inside. He then heard two gunshots and he assumed they were the sounds of her being killed. Then he claims to have seen a potentially wrapped body wrapped in a rug being removed from the house and dumped into an alligator pit on the property. So this statement, that was all the statement. Fuck. That's a lot to take in all of a sudden. Yeah. Now, this is my speculational moment. I'm wondering, did he get, was he potentially going to be getting reduced time or anything for this statement? Because that always influences people to start making statements. Right. Every single time. Also, how does Taquan truly know these people? Can we actually have anyone else place Taquan, Deshaun, and Sean in the same room, same know-how, any cell phone record, anything? Do we know that these three men know each other? Well, we know two of them obviously do, but like, can we do anything to figure out where the story lays within the li like lies or truths? Okay. This statement was given to FBI officials and it was partially corroborated by information received from a different informant. And the Dr. Phil episode I mentioned earlier, there's a part where Dr. Phil starts like kind of aggressively asking questions to Taquan and well, um, he's Dr. Phil. Yeah. And he starts like asking him things. So we're going to put that here just so you can see how he does not falter at all. Did you kidnap Brittany Drexel? No, I did not. Have you ever met Brittany Drexel? No, I haven't. Have you ever been to the Blue Water Hotel where she was last seen? No, sir. Never been to the Blue Water Hotel. Do you know that when this took place, I was 16 years old? Yes. The second inmate said Deshaun had picked up Brittany at Myrtle Beach and had... This is the second inmate that corroborated the story, I should say. Corroborated. Huh. I don't know why corroborated keeps going cow for me every time I say it. Well, it's a very weird word. It is, but corroborated? Like, really? really? You know what's Margie's least favorite word in the English language? <laughs> Colonel. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it's spelled colonial. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. All right. If you guys hate that word, let us know because we hate it now. 
The corroborating story from the second inmate said Deshaun had picked up Brittany at Myrtle Beach and taken her to McClellanville, where he showed her off to his friends and tried to sell her for trafficking purposes. Then when the case of the missing Brittany drew heavy media attention, Deshaun decided to kill her to avoid being arrested. You ready to hear the craziest part about this so far? Deshaun Taylor only has one arm. Oh, shit. <laughs> so that pin we put in, let's let's take it out now. Rhonda Massey, remember, had pointed out that Sean Taylor was the guy that did this. She pointed him out of the lineup and Sean Taylor is related to Deshaun. So this is getting very hmm, right? OK. But she claimed the driver of the van only had one arm. When Deshaun was only four years old, he was being watched by his grandpa. Not watched very well, might I add. Clearly. When a car fell on him. Oh, wait, fell on him? Fell on him. So his left arm had to be amputated. That probably hurt a lot. As a four-year-old? Yes. Yeah. Due to this, he didn't have a left arm. Now, he says, due to that, how could I kidnap Brittany? Like, that wouldn't have been possible. I wouldn't have been able to. It would have been very difficult with only one arm. She was 15 or 16 years old. Also, he was only 15 or 16 years old. Like she was 17 technically, but like he's like, we're the same age. Yeah. He's like, we're the same age. He was small. So he's like, we're the same size, same stature. I have one fucking arm. And you think that if I one arm grabbed this girl and try to drag her into a vehicle, no one on the boardwalk's going to notice, which I see his point. But at the same time, remember, Rhonda said there were two men grabbing her and this guy was the driver. The driver. So I also see why they're like, no, you're wrong, Deshaun. Stop it. (laughs) No, no. No, no, no. (laughs) No. In August 2016, Deshaun released a statement maintaining his innocence. Deshaun's mother also denied all these accusations. And in in September. I love it when parents do that. They I always know, stick up for the kids. My son innocent. You like, know what I always just think off, of, right? Sharon. I I when I think of a parent sticking up for the child, I cannot think of anything but that fucking dumbass mother who stuck up for her kids and Cassie Joe's daughter. Oh. And mm, that one is yeah. It's a it's one we covered in the archives, if you're wondering. We the first one. It is the second one. I said it's like the first one. <laughs> it's the second one. <laughs> Speaking of guys, I met the guys from Scream. It was fucking gnarly. I posted about it. I'm hella jealous. It was so cool. Matthew Lillard. He's a golden retriever, guys. Most wholesome human you'll ever meet. Ski Ulrich, hot as fuck. Very reserved. Still so hot, though. Jamie Kennedy, the guy that plays Randy. Fucking amazing human. So nice. Love him. He loved my scream tattoo. I love him. Okay, (laughs) we're going back to the point. I just got really excited, guys. I hadn't talked to you about it. I was going to put in the intro notes, but the episode's a little long, so I want to just jump on in. Don't steal my line. (laughs) I was trying, but I was jumping instead of sliding. Jump on in. Jump on in. (laughs) When Deshaun's mother denied the accusations... The next step was what Brittany Drexel's parents have to say about it. So in September, Chad Drexel created a petition asking the grand jury to weigh in and either validate or discredit the eyewitness claims so that he could just get a for sure answer. Do we believe or not believe these stories? The petition also called for the Taylor people to um, be indicted for Brittany Drexel's murder. 
And if the grand jury deems it, they have to decide whether this is a true claim or not. So pretty much he's like, give me answers. Do you believe this man truly did this or not? Why are we barking up the street of that? In November of 2017, Deshaun was arrested when police said that he violated terms of his bail after a robbery by crossing county lines. That sounds like the best idea to do when on parole. And you're being headhunted for a murder, essentially. Police would claim in 2018 that Deshaun also failed a polygraph test when asked about Brittany's disappearance. But we can't trust polygraphs. And also, Deshaun also failed his own name on that polygraph test. So, like, Deshaun did that on purpose. Deshaun might not just be good. Oh, do you think Deshaun did it? I think he did that on purpose. Oh, okay. In 2018, the prosecutors urged a judge to sentence Deshaun for up to 20 years in prison under the plea deal in the robbery case because they also thought that would give them enough time to figure out what happened. But the defense team claimed federal prosecutors were only pursuing the lengthy prison sentence because they weren't getting closure in the Drexel case and this would, like, suffice. I can see that. Which also, I'm sorry, but 20 years won't suffice for Brittany's family. So that's not doing everything they're hoping it's doing. In February 2019, Taquan Brown, the original person who said that, you know, he had seen Brittany, he gave a telephone interview to Rochester news station, WHEC-TV, from McCormick Correctional Institution, where he was currently incarcerated. Because remember, he had that 25 years. Right. So he said he had actually seen Brittany four times after she disappeared. Not just that once. So now we have a change of story. In addition to the first encounter, he said he saw her again a month later. And that was the time she was killed. So now that whole her in the rug thing apparently doesn't exist. Those gunshots must not have shotted her. Shot? Whatever. You know? Well, it could have been another person. True. But so he changed his story then and said when he saw her in that building, She was being sexually assaulted by 8 to 12 men, actually. And that was on April 27th. Then he changed his story about everything because he said when Brittany was being sexually assaulted by the group of men at the stash house, she had a black eye and was chained to the wall. He said he didn't recognize her at the time, but he realized a month later who she was when the publicity was like going big about the case. And so his second encounter with her was a few days after that. And he described that event to FBI saying that time he heard gunshots. And that was the time he saw the body being carried out in the rug. So now we're just changing the story, right? Then he claimed, but that wasn't her, right? Because then he saw her five days later, a third time. Okay. And she was, she was traveling on a dirt road, just walking near his cousin's residence in Jacksonboro, which is 80 miles south of McClellanville in the stash house she was at. And he claimed then he saw her a fourth time late May on his cousin's property, just still alone roaming the area while visiting with a friend. He saw her at the rear end of the property and she was being murdered by a man who he only knew as Nate, who shot her twice with a double-barreled shotgun and left her there. That's a very different story than what we've heard I'm up to so this confused. point. I'm so confused. Also, that's a lot of gunshots going on for her to not die in all of them. I'm very confused. Okay. In February of 2019, Taquan claimed then that him releasing all this information 
inflamed the individuals who are responsible for Britney's murder and the hatred for it and stuff. So he's like now scared for his he's, life. Right. He's he's like, I have a bounty on my head now for telling you guys right. the truth. Like, thanks. Bro. He said there was a fifteen thousand dollar bounty on his head due to him releasing this info. Now, around 2019, as this was all happening, a building at 1819 Old Collins Creek Road, which is where the Taylors live. This was a building that was near the stash house and it was also owned by the Taylors. It got burnt down. There was no power to the building, no people living in it. There wasn't a storm or anything that could have connected how the house burned down. No one could figure it out. And online web sleuths at the time said it was an arson to cover evidence that that was actually the place Brittany was. And that maybe Taquan was actually telling the truth and maybe he kept changing his stories because he was so nervous and he was just hoping yeah. the police would catch on. And that he's like, look, you missed your chance. They burnt everything down. But they couldn't figure out if it was arson or not. And they didn't have any links to the Drexel case. So in December of 2019, Deshaun was released from prison and given three years probation. So for almost 13 years, no one had an answer to what happened to Brittany. No one knew. Was she murdered, kidnapped, sold to trafficking? Because every single thing we had has fell through. Like no one knew. But then Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. What the fuck, man? Just the other day. It's ridiculous. Georgetown County deputies arrested a man. Are you ready? Raybert. They arrested Raybert. Raymond Moody, 62 years old, was charged with the murder, kidnapping, and first-degree criminal sexual conduct and obstructing justice against Brittany Drexel. South South Carolina television station WBTW reported on Tuesday, Moody allegedly had confessed to the crime and led police to the location of her body. The arrest warrant says Moody had kidnapped and sexually assaulted Drexel, and then killed her by means of manual strangulation. But there's no other details that we know at this point that where it was occurred or anything like that. All we know is that they did say it was within Georgetown County, 35 miles south of Myrtle Beach. The warrant charges all the crimes occurred about April 25th, 2009. Moody spent 21... Now, this is just a... (laughs) We, we got to go back, right? Obviously, we got to figure out who Moody is. We're not done. We're not done, guys. Strap in. We're, we're here for the long ride. Moody had spent 21 years in prison back in 1983 because he abducted a nine-year-old girl named Carrie Harding that he sexually assaulted and sodomized for hours. At one point during this, she said she had to go to the bathroom and Carrie got up and just ran out and got help. She ended up living everything. She, 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 she made it out. He was also considered the suspect in seven other cases of girls under the age of 14 that were kidnapped and assaulted, but he was never officially charged. That's a lot. Of, uh, that's, that's a lot of charges many. for a aggressive sexual and aggressively sexual natured crime. So he ended up for all this because they only technically convicted him on one. He got a 40 year sentence, but he got out early for after only serving 21 years from the California state prison in Solano. I don't know if it was for good behavior or what, but he did get out early. Bad idea. It must have been. So when he got out, he decided to make the move 3,000 miles away from California to Georgetown, South Carolina. 
in 2008, he was charged with indecent exposure in the city of Georgetown. But it got reduced to public disorderly conduct in court because he claimed that he was drunk. In 2010, he was charged with the first offense of failing to register as a sex offender in the county. But mind you, 2009 was when this happened with Brittany. So he went straight from the sexual misconduct thing, drunk, to kidnapping, raping, and murdering a girl to, oh, he's in trouble because he didn't register as a sex offender. And he just glossed over that and no one caught him. So he's like, I'm clear. If the worst thing they have me on is I forget to register as a sex offender. Ooh, big deal in his eyes. Yeah. But then he got linked to another another episode thing. Crystal Souls. I don't have time to get into that whole thing. (laughs) This episode would be really, really long. But this isn't the only girl with a weird circumstance that he has, obviously. So Raymond, if you remember when I fucked up his name the first time, he was considered a person of interest for over a decade at this point. But now they finally had the proof they needed because they did recover the human remains buried in the woods off the gated private property drive outside Georgetown. And they were identified as Brittany Drexel's through DNA and dental records where Raymond said they were. On April 26, 2009, the day the search for Brittany had started, Raymond was issued a traffic ticket in Surfside Beach, eight miles from Myrtle Beach. And remember, that's where some of the pings went off. Right. Moody would originally claim that he was out of time. Out of time? He was out of town at the time when the Brittany Drexel case happened. But later, police were like, when they had started to look into him and they got that search warrant for his apartment, they were like, no, because they saw this ticket. And they were like, no, you were in town, actually. And that's why they did search him. But then they never had the evidence because nothing at his apartment let up. Brittany's Drexel's body was found Wednesday, May 11th, 2022 in Georgetown County, 35 miles down the coast from where she had disappeared. In a Facebook post on May 13th, Chad Drexel said an arrest was made in the Brittany Drexel case. He ended up deleting that post a short time later. He replaced it with another post that said amazing progress, like talking about the case. But then he deleted that post too. The police are probably like, Chad, stop fucking posting shit. I know you're so stuck. Right. <laughs> but he's like, I gotta talk about it. You wait 13 years and not, try not to post. Right. Georgetown County Sheriff named Carter Weaver said that Moody had an extensive sex offender history, but they wouldn't provide any more details past that. Which, If that's the case, we shouldn't have let him out. <sighs> All right. Moody's on the South Carolina sex offender registry for the 1983 conviction of sodomy by force to someone under 14, kidnapping, and that's all we have it for right now. And that's according to the state law enforcement's division's record. So now he is officially, even if he gets out of prison, he is on the registry. Dawn Drexel had made a quote um, on television to some of the news reports, and she said, today marks the beginning of a new chapter. The beginning for Brittany is now a... Sorry, I messed this up. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is why Kylie reads quotes. <laughs> Today marks the beginning of a new chapter. The search for Brittany is now a pursuit of Brittany's justice. This is truly a mother's worst nightmare. I'm mourning my beautiful daughter Brittany as I have for the past 13 years. Dawn went on to thank all the investigators who helped work with her to find her daughter. Sheriff Weaver then addressed the media and the family talking to them about the circumstances. And he said, the why may never be known or understood. But today, the task force can confidently and without hesitation answer the rest of those questions, along with the 
who is responsible to the Drexel family. We mourn with you and pray for you as you cope with the tragedy of 13 years ago. No one deserves to go through this. And our hearts go out to you. Our only hope is that finding this finding allows your family to grieve properly for Brittany. Because she had brothers and a brother and a sister, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When she went missing, her brother was the youngest sibling and he was five. I want to say her sister was not much older, but older in pictures. If I had to guesstimate ages, I would say like five and seven, maybe five and eight. She was she was still very young. Okay. And now this is 13 years later. So they're grownups now. They're technically adults. And you have to fucking know that Dawn did not allow them to be ever out of her eyesight. Oh, yeah. Ever. Even the mention of spring break, she probably went into lockdown mode. Probably. And that is understandable. Yep. So. You're like, nope, I'm going with you. Yeah. She's like, actually, we are taking a family trip to grandma's house and we are all staying in the basement for six days playing card games. <laughs> Fun. So that is that. We wanted to make sure that we got it covered so that you guys knew everything that was possible without having to do an update later. So we like. But how weird is it that it was on our docket for next month and then it gets freaking solved? Like now I really hope the other two unsolves that I have in the next two months get solved. That would just be gnarly cool. I would I would be happier. And Phoebe Hansduck, let's solve that. Let's solve that. That would be it. If we, oh, I have feelings. <laughs> if we can get that solved. <laughs> oh, I have feelings. So I used a few different sources. Uh, there was a news article that was the newer stuff in this. I did have to use news articles because that's the only place that we're getting information currently. It's literally last week. Yes. I used multiple news sources as well as like listening to the police statements and stuff. But I only put actually one of them in here because I used 99% of it from here. But I used more than just one news article from them. I used the CBS News. And the most recent one was posted May 16th, 2022 at 4.03 p.m. And that's the one I got the information of. It is as we're recording May 19th. So if new information, it hasn't came out yet because I just, you know, I would have updated this outline today. But if, you know, by the time you guys hear this next Tuesday, which is it's now Tuesday. If something new came up now, you guys know why the last update I technically put in was May 19th. I watched the docuseries Disappeared, season two, episode one, The Secret Journey. It aired October 4th, 2010. So it's a little outdated. Um, there was a lot of information that I did not get from that, obviously. I watched the Dr. Phil episode behind the headlines, The Disappearance of Brittany Drexel. I didn't watch it all because I couldn't find it all. I watched as much as I could on YouTube that I could find. Dr. Phil past episodes are really hard to find. Interesting. Like you wouldn't think that would be. No, they people be. just put bits and snips of them on though like i saw the beginning 20 minutes and like the end 10 minutes there's like a solid something like five to ten minutes in the middle i must be missing because it was not complete i'm sure you can probably like actually buy the full episode somewhere but... yeah i just wasn't willing to because i don't really like dr phil he's just kind of like it's kind of an ass yeah he's just kind of annoying too well that aired on may 11th 2009 it was cool because they had you know those firsthand accounts I also looked into the book, Who Killed Brittany Drexel? The Shocking True Crime Story of a Teenager's Murder and a Mother's Grief by Rag Cackley, December 12th, 2016. So that was a little bit more recent than everything else. 
It was a little biased about certain things, though, which made it hard to take everything into account. But it did have a lot of good information that I wouldn't have got otherwise. So, well, because. It literally says a story of a teenager's murder and a mother's Uh grave. So, yeah, definitely there are some opinions there. Yeah. But overall, it did give me a lot of information about things that I also didn't know. So it it worked itself out kind of. It helped. So that's Brittany Drexel. If you guys want to look more into this case, you guys are seeing this, obviously, because you're looking at the episode. But when you try to Google it, Brittany's name is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-E-E space Drexel, D-R-E-X-E-L. If you try and spell it other ways, I found out that random things pop up that are not Brittany Drexel. (laughs) Also, I did not mention this this whole time. You know how I talked about Brittany's eye? Mm -hmm. In pictures, you couldn't tell. This, This girl had the most iconically beautiful blue eyes I have ever seen in my whole life. Hmm. They are stunning. Which is weird because normally when you have like retinal detachment, you get a little bit of a. Like a yellowish. Yes, she did not. If I showed you a picture instantly, you'll go, I like her eyes. Like I don't even like blue eyes. I love Brittany Drexel's eyes. Sorry, I'm not basic like you. Green eyes are the best eyes. Supremacy. I have gray eyes, actually. Oh, my God. She's that your pick me girl from TikTok in this moment. That's fine. I have gray eyes. <laughs> Guys, we want to give some closing notes. Thank you so much to Damon Vukovsky for our wonderful theme song. Artwork by Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. We got some stuff in the mix with Taylor. We cannot wait to show you guys. We're so excited. Taylor is hard at work. He's <laughs> so talented. I can't even. Today, Kylie and I decided we couldn't agree on one thing. So while I was at the gym, <laughs> Taylor sent... 20 plus pictures of different (laughs) ideas just to see do you like any of these well taylor give me a moment there's so many options i was literally just running on the treadmill and we were sharing headphones because margie forgot hers today and i was like what the fuck is going on with my phone no it was just taylor sending a bajillion pics blowing you up our editing done by Corey with core.media.photography on instagram if you guys want to talk more about his eye and his eye issues because we brought it up today. Corey is pretty open about talking about that kind of stuff. He actually loves making very dark jokes about it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's also colorblind. Corey's an interesting and you're ready to hear the craziest part on top of all this. Corey's a photographer. So right? I don't I don't want to hear any excuses from any two working eye color seeing photographers about having a bad day because Corey's out here doing the damn thing. Yeah. When you see his photos, you're going to be like, fuck, he's good. Sometimes he asks me, he's like, is this too green? Is it green at all? (laughs) Like, no, it's (laughs) he leaves me in awe half the time. It is insane. So they are all so helpful to us. And we thank them every single time because we love them and they help us create everything we've created. If you want to see how incredibly nerdy me and Theana are, uh, definitely follow our Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod. We're going to uh, post apparently our Sims. Woo, woo, Simland. <laughs> Are we going to create ourselves too? Like how we want. Oh, yeah. We no. have to create like how we want to look. What? No, we should do how we really look. Well, I guess that's open for interpretation. We'll see what we got. Yeah, maybe. I can find some video game themed tattoos for you. 
I'll do it. I got this. Oh, I got this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're not downloading a bunch of shit. This is, this is no CC. We'll see. No CC. We'll see. There's no CC. <laughs> that is the one rule. C-C. I don't, I don't put that shit on my computer. We'll see. See. Fuck off. I'm, I'm so funny right now. Hilarious. <laughs> anyway, follow our Instagram at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Apple podcast reviews and ratings or Spotify ratings always help us out. It helps get our name out there and it lets us know what you guys do and don't like. We really like hearing back from you guys, whether it's through a DM, a message, or if you're just making fun of me to me. I am my own worst critic, so I will fucking laugh every time you do it. I promise. (laughs) And then I will subconsciously think about it the next six episodes in the funniest (laughs) way. And I will think every time I say it, damn it, that person was right. So always leave us something and let us know. And just remember, guys, please subscribe, follow, tune in and keep up with us because we're going to see you for the next episode next Tuesday. Stay tuned. That's what I really want to do, but I don't. I just, I kind of stuttered in between another doozy. Oh, yeah. Because fuck if someone stutters on this podcast, we're professionals. (laughs) Not the intro. Is Brittany, hold on. I I thought I was going to (laughs) sneeze. That's not okay. Mm -mm. For anyone that is new here, Thena does not like sneezing. It's just, it's so exhausting. It moves your whole body and it's so loud for no reason. It's a, Which it's is so weird event. because everyone else loves sneezing because it's, what is it? What is it? Like a tenth of an orgasm or something? Yeah, it's fucking terrible. How? It's just so, it's too much. It's too much. It's unnecessary for life. It's very necessary. <laughs> what good is tickling my nose and making me chew it out of my body? <laughs> no, I am so unhappy about sneezing. chew it. <laughs> And then you have the different ways people sneeze. Like some girls are like, and they sound like a little mouse. And you know, that's annoying. But then you have those men that act like it's like a power workout. And they're like, I'm like, calm down, fucking Santa. I fuck. I hate. Okay. Let's start from the beginning again. Yeah. Dogs. Ouch. (laughs) not funny owie i'm good okay (laughs)